right, all right. Merry Christmas, everybody. It is great to see you as we continue in our series called Major Things. And I wanted to start by just asking you a key question. Do you ever feel like our world is just turned upside down? Do you ever feel that way? I don't know about you, but I turn on the news and I see things like stabbings in London and shootings in schools and political scandal. We see whole communities burnt down by fires. And then on top of that, we see all the hatred and division uh, all throughout our nation. But then uh, let's, let's make it a little more personal. On a personal level, do you know in a blink of an eye, your whole world can be turned upside down, right? And when it hits you, I mean, when a spouse walks out or a child gets sick or a friend loses their job or a loved one gets in a car accident or you discover that you have cancer, the list goes on and on. When those things happen to us, there's just something inside each and every one of us where we go, hey, it's not supposed to be this way. Man, how did my world get turned so upside down? And that's what we want to look at today as we continue in our series. In fact, we have an uh, outline for our message this morning called The Upside Down. Let me encourage you to take this out and use it to follow along. And I would just want to say this holiday season, here's what we're doing. We are shamelessly using the popular Netflix series Stranger Things to help us look at Christmas through a different lens and come back to the heart of what God said to us in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The heart of the Christmas message is simply this, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for who? For you, for me, for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. See, what I want us to do in the series is I want to look at this verse and the whole Christmas story through the lenses of stranger things. Now, some of you may be asking and wondering, how does a dark science fiction horror story with supernatural happenings that take place in a small town where the key characters are young teenagers, some of you may be asking, well, what does that have to do with Christmas? Well, do you know the Christmas story has supernatural elements like angel appearances and a virgin birth? It has horror. King Herod ordered the execution of all infants under two years old. And then think about this. It happened in a small town in Bethlehem. And the key characters, Mary and Joseph, what were they? They were young teenagers. Now, today's message is called The Upside Down. Because it's central in understanding the show Stranger Things, but it's also uh, central in understanding the Christmas story. Now, in the show Stranger Things, the upside down is this other under dimension. And it's filled with darkness and death and decay and despair. And it, it's inhabited by evil monsters like the Demigorgon and the Mind Flayer. And in the story, this young boy, Will Byers, he gets trapped in the upside down. And everyone in his small town, they think he's dead, but his friends know that he's not dead. He's just trapped in the upside down. And they are determined to find a way to punch through, the, through this other dimension so that they can save and rescue their friend. It's not just the upside down from stranger things, 
But more importantly, I want you to understand the upside down from the Christmas story because the central message of Christmas is when God used his great power to punch through into our dimension and he entered in to save us from our upside down world. Now, to fully understand the upside down of the Christmas story, we have to go back to in the beginning. If you look at your outline, in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, it tells us that in the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. And friends, let's, let's be clear. This planet is not some sort of cosmic accident. It was put together and designed by a divine mastermind. Friends, think with me for just a moment of all the beauty and majesty and power and, and symmetry and order in our world. Friends, you can be confident that this didn't happen by accident. In fact, French philosopher Voltaire, he was one of the first to propose the intelligent design theory when he said this. If a watch proves the existence of a watchmaker, but the universe does not prove the existence of a great architect, then I consent to be called a fool. This world was, didn't happen by accident. God designed, created the heavens and the earth. But beyond that, he not only created this magnificent world, but he created you and me. And he made us magnificent because he made us in his image. And, and I want to say, just like I said, our world did not happen by accident. Friends, you are not a cosmic accident. God made you. He made you in his image. He made you to love you. And at the very end of Genesis chapter 1, here's what it says. Then God looked over all he had made, and he said that it was what? Not just good, but very good. You see, from the very first page of the Bible, very first chapter, we find that all of God's creation is very good. Friends, that means the original creation. There is no pain. No suffering, no evil, no crime, no sickness, no disease, no cancer, no death, no cruelty. Man and woman lived in an open, happy, loving relationship with God and each other in a world that was perfect by design. They lived in paradise, if you will. Now, what becomes blatantly clear to every one of us here today is the world we see on the first page of the Bible and the world we live in today are worlds apart. Friends, something terrible happened. Something catastrophic, catastrophic happened to turn the world upside down and mess everything up. And the Bible tells us exactly what happened. In Genesis chapter 3, it tells us about the fall, about paradise lost. And to understand what was lost and everything that's going on, I want to bring you back to God's very like his goal in creation. In fact, if you're taking notes, would you write this down? God's goal in creation was to create a people who would freely choose to love him. To create a people that would freely choose to love him. Friends, God didn't want to create robots who'd walk around like brainwashed slaves. I love how the Reverend Billy Graham says it on your outline that only voluntary love satisfies the heart of God. Do you know your love, your faith, your trust in God, it means the world to him. Only voluntary love satisfies the heart of God. God wanted people to freely decide to choose by their own free will 
to enter into a true love relationship with him. And friends, that's part of what it means to be human. That's part of what it means to be created in the very image of God. You, you possess a free will, a freedom of choice. And the very nature of true freedom, it implies the existence of things to choose between, right? See, if I'm really free to choose good, I must also be free to choose bad. If I'm really free to choose right, I should also be free to choose wrong, right? If I'm really free to choose a salad, I must also be free to choose french fries. I'm just saying that to my wife. To, so, you know, this idea of, of you should be free. And when it comes to, to God, friends, if God made you able to freely choose to love him, I must also be free to freely choose to reject him. And do you know that's what happened in the fall? That's what happened in Genesis chapter 3. Satan tempts Adam and Eve to doubt God's word and to disobey God's will. You see, God gave Adam and Eve full freedom in the garden, except he warned them not to eat of the tree in the center of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because God knew that it would result in death. Now, friends, let me say this to you clearly. Death was never God's deal. God is a God of life and a God of love. And he warned them, but Satan comes into the picture and he tempts them by saying, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And that's a temptation, right? To instead of worshiping and following and loving God, to kind of become your own God call the shots and run the show you will be like god and when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom she took some and ate it and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it now friends in this picture yeah satan was there he tempted adam and eve but by an act of their own free will both Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And friends, when that happens, the Bible says that that's the very moment that sin entered into God's perfect creation. And friends, that's when all hell broke loose. Man, that's what broke everything. That's what turned our world upside down. And friends, it broke everything. Our relationship with God was broken. Our relationship with each other was broken. This is where pain and suffering and disease and death entered into God's perfect paradise, and that's why it's called paradise lost. See, our disobedience to God in the garden resulted in the reality we are living in today, friends. We're living in the upside down. We're living in the upside down. Now, there on your outline, I want to share with you like the four top reasons. There's some more, but the four top reasons why your life is so hard, why your marriage is hard, why your parenting is hard, why work is hard, why your problems are hard, why your world is so upside down. The four top reasons, and the first one there on your outline, would you write this down? It's simply sin. Sin. We are under the curse of sin, therefore sinful things happen. And I got to say it impacts all of us because there's not a nice way to say it. All of us 
our sins. Romans 3.23 on the outline says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And friends, if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, well, I'm not a sinner. Well, friends, can I lovingly just tell you, you can't even live up to your own standards of right and wrong, let alone God's. And sin has devastating effects. Most of the bad things in the world that happen today have nothing to do with God. It's a result of sin and selfishness. Most of the evil that happens is a direct result of people choosing to disobey God's will and do their own thing. Friends, let me say this. It is not God's will for a family to be killed by a drunk driver. It is not God's will for a little girl to be molested. It is not God's will for someone to be stabbed on a bridge in London. Friends, that's not God. That's sin. All of that happened as a direct result of sin, of rebelling against God. And, and some of you say, okay, well, okay, I can see that. I can get that. But why doesn't God intervene? Why doesn't God, like, fix it? Why doesn't God stop the drunk driver or the molester or the terrorist? And friends, that's why we always have to go back to God's ultimate purpose that above all else, God treasures your voluntary love. God values your love. He will not override your free will, even if it means that people that he loves will suffer. It's the first reason. We live in a broken, fallen world that's corrupted by sin. Your sin and mine has devastating consequences. Secondly, would you write this down? There's also Satan, the devil. Now, on the show Stranger Things, in the Upside Down, there are demons and monsters and demigorgons, and it's a, it's a scary, bad place because they want to kill and destroy the world. In fact, I put a quote on the screen from Martin Brenner. He's leader of the laboratory in season one of Stranger Things, and this is what he says about the demigorgon. He says, six people have been taken this week. This thing that took your son, we don't really understand it, but its behavior is predictable. Like all animals, it eats. And it will take more sons, more daughters. I want to save him. I want to save your son. But I can't do that, not without your help. Friends, this quote, this, this quote about the fictional demigorgon in Stranger Things, it echoes what the Bible says about a very real character in our world, Satan, the devil. In fact, the Bible writes it this way in 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, be alert of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Friends, you can pretend it doesn't exist. You can act like it's not real. But I'm telling you, the Bible says there are real demonic forces of evil that are active in our world. And Satan's sole focus is to steal, kill, and destroy your life because Satan hates everything that God loves. And what God loves most is he loves you and he loves your son and he loves your daughters and he wants to save them. Now, many times when someone starts talking about the devil and demons, it, it makes people a little uncomfortable. Sometimes it makes people a little scared. I'm reminded of a church service. A pastor was preaching about evil and the devil, and the devil 
automatically, I mean, he just instantly showed up in a powerful cloud of black smoke, and he was so hideous that everyone in the church ran out in total terror, all except for one man. An old man was sitting on the back row. He didn't even blink an eye. He didn't even move. And Satan looked around. He looked at the old man. He said, why didn't you run away in fear? Aren't you afraid of me? And that old man looked at Satan and said, why would I be afraid of you? I've been married to your sister for the last 30 years. Uh, no fear. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Hey, friends, I wanted to lighten the moment because I wanted to say, as followers of Jesus, we're not called to fear Satan or the forces of evil. We're called to fight against them. The Bible says, greater is he who is in you, God's Holy Spirit, than he who is in the world. It's greater than Satan. And we're not to run away into fear. We're to, to go into the fight, to battle against the forces of evil. That's why Ephesians 6.12 on your outline says this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, in our upside-down world, real evil exists. And Satan is one of the main reasons why our world is so upside-down. There's sin, there's Satan. And then number three on your outline, would you write this down? There's science. There's science. Now, I don't know if you, if, if you know this, but do you know why... The the, do you know why the biology teacher and the physics professor broke up? No chemistry. <laughs> so, you know, hey, I'm going to talk about science for just a second. And I want you to hear me loud and clear. We're not anti-science here. Faith and science are not at war. Do you know that many of the greatest scientists in the world throughout history and today are also great believers in Jesus? In fact, I fully agree with Scott, the, the science teacher in Stranger Things, Scott Clark, when he, where he said these words, science is neat. Science is neat, but I'm afraid it's not very forgiving. When I say that science turned the world upside down, I'm referring specifically to the scientific laws of nature. So I'm not saying science has messed up our world. I'm saying the scientific laws of nature. Let me, let me explain what I'm getting at. Let me say, so, so, so here's this idea. For example, let's, let's consider the law of gravity. You all know the law of gravity, scientific law. What goes up, what? Must come down. Man, that law is a great law. It helps us function in the world. It keeps me from driving my car off a cliff, right? Because I know the law of gravity. But someone can, can abuse that law and push me off a cliff. And that law means that my life will be turned upside down as I roll down the hill, right? The law of gravity. Let me give you another example. Would be when 400 people are piling onto a ferry boat designed to hold 120 people. You know, the laws of science and nature tell us there will be too much weight and there's a good chance that boat will capsize and be turned upside down and people will drown. Friends, uh, science, like the scientific laws of nature, sometimes those laws, when they get violated, man, it's going to turn your world upside down. Um, so can, can I say this? Many times bad things, evil things happen in the world that have very little to do with God. It's a result of sin, Satan, sometimes the law of nature. But I also need to give you a fourth reason 
because, friends, sometimes it is gone. Sometimes your world has been turned upside down because it is gone. Sometimes God very specifically will cause or allow or use pain, problems, and difficult circumstances to accomplish his plan, his purposes in our life and in our world. And so number four in your outline, would you write this down? Because it comes back to God's primary purpose, and that's the purpose of salvation. Salvation. I love how 2 Corinthians 7.10 says on your outline, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. You know, sometimes pain and problems can turn your whole life around. Sometimes you can have a heart attack. It's a bad thing, a hurtful thing. It turns your life upside down, but then it can lead you to think about your health and your diet and make changes that will lead you to a better life. This is what we're getting at. Can I tell you, as a pastor, over the last 24 years, I've seen God use pain and problems in in so many ways, sometimes to help people grow, sometimes to help people become more like Christ, sometimes to help people come back to center and work on their character. Now, I don't know if God caused it or allowed it or simply uses it, but I do know that because of God's primary purpose of wanting to save people, I do know that because of that, God is willing and even willing to go to great lengths to make this happen, even if it turns your world upside down. And there's no place that where this is more evident than in the Christmas story, right? Again, I want you to think of the Christmas story, specifically Mary and Joseph. These young teenagers engaged to be married. Here's what God did. He punched through into their dimension And he gave them the news that Mary would become pregnant by the Holy Spirit and have God's son. Talk about turning your world upside down. Man, they had plans. They had dreams. They were excited about their engagement and getting married. And then God entered in. But can I I tell you something? It didn't just impact Mary. It wasn't just about Joseph. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but I did. I'm a dad. I have a daughter. I want you to think about Mary's dad for a second. I'm sure he had dreams for his daughter. I'm sure he was excited about, hey, they're going to start a family. I'm going to have grandkids. This is going to be great and in the community. And then all of a sudden, his daughter says, Dad, I'm pregnant. And it's not Joseph, and we're not married, and the baby's from God. And as a dad, he had to live in that community. What did it do? It turned his life upside. Now, why would God do, why would God do that to Mary? Why would God do that to Joseph? Why would God do that to their families? Well, Matthew one twenty one on your outline tells us very clearly. Here's why. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will, what? Save his people from their sins. Salvation. You know, in the story, Stranger Things, Joyce and Hopper and Dustin and Mike and Lucas, man, they're willing to fight against evil and enter the upside down and do whatever it took to save Will from death and destruction. Do you know at Christmas, Jesus was willing to come down and punch through and enter into our upside down world to do whatever it took to save us from our sin 
and give us eternal life. Now, here's what I want us to do. I want us to bring it back down to you and me. Like December 2019, what do we do with a message like this when we find out we're currently living, we're living in the upside down? This is what I know about you right now. You need encouragement in your life, right? You're, you're living in the upside down right now. You need encouragement. Well, let me give you three encouragements to take away from this message. The first one is simply hang on to hope. Hang on to hope. When you feel like you're trapped in a dark place, like there's no way out, it's so easy to just want to give up, to say, I can't do this anymore. I quit. I'm done. It's over. And if that's where you are right now, I want to share with you the best Christmas verse from the Old Testament. From Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, it says this, Nevertheless, that time, even your time of darkness and despair, won't go on forever. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And friends, that light that lifts us out of the darkness, that's Jesus, the son who was given for us. And this is what it says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called what? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Do you know Jesus is God's gift given for you? And if you'll just hang on to hope, if you will hang on to Jesus, he'll be your wonderful counselor. He'll give you his words of comfort and guidance. He'll be your mighty God. He'll give you strength when you feel broken and weak. He will be your prince of peace where everything around you is chaotic and crazy. He'll give you unexplainable peace where you'll go, I don't know, I should be falling apart. All I can say is it's really hard, but I know God is helping me and I have his peace. I'm telling you, as you live in this upside down, hang on to hope. Second encouragement is this, shine your light, shine your light. In Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said this, in the same way, let your light shine. Would you underline that phrase, your light? Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds. Underline your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do you know that your light, that's your good deeds. They're the same thing. So he's saying as you go through your life, do good deeds. Man, show compassion, show kindness, help people in need. Man, shine and serve and give and help. Not so people will say how, oh man, that guy, he's such a good guy, he's such a good. Not so they'll think you're good or you're great, but you do it to shine a light that lights away so that people can come to Christ. Shine your light. And friends, we're in dark times right now. For many, Christmas is not merry and bright, it's dark and hard. And when we shine our light, when we say, hey, man, I'd love to invite you to church. Hey, I would just want to let you know I'm praying for you. Hey, and I see this is going on. Can I help out? Can I? When you shine your light, it just opens the door. It punches through the darkness to help people come to God. And then number three, would you write this down? Sacrifice for salvation. Sacrifice for salvation. You know, in Stranger Things, Will's friends, Mike and Dustin, and Lucas and L, 
friends, you know they were willing to put their lives on the line to try to save their friend. You know, this is so stranger things. But let's come to reality. <laughs> Guys, the truth is that's just a that's just a show. It's not real. But you know, there was a very real person named Jesus. And he really came, he was born in a manger. He grew up to live a perfect, sinless life. And then just before he died for you on the cross, do you know this is what he said? In John 15, 13, Jesus said these words, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Do you know, whether you, whether you know this or not, whether you believe it or not, the best friend you have ever had and ever will have is Jesus Christ. He loves you unconditionally. He cares about your needs. He wants to help you. He's here to save you from your sins and give you eternal life. He's your best friend. And because Jesus, my best friend, because of all he's done to save me, I want to do everything I can to introduce as many people to my best friend as possible. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to do all I can, give all I can, serve all I can. And here's my question for you right now. Here's the, the question of the message. Who's the one friend you're fighting for right now so that they can be rescued from sin and death, so that they can be saved from the upside down. Who's the one friend you're fighting for? Can I tell you why this is so important? Because in the end, in the end, friends, lean in for this moment. I mean, lean in, don't, don't zone out, lean in, because in the end, this is not all there is. I love the quote from professional golfer Paul Azinger. When he discovered he had life-threatening cancer, this is what he said. He said, we are not in the land of the living, going to the land of the dying. He said, we're in the land of the dying, trying to get to the land of the living. You see, in this upside-down world, friends, for the rest of your life, you're going to have to wrestle with sin. You're going to have to go through struggles. You're going to have to deal with problems. This is not heaven. But God has prepared a perfect place a paradise called heaven. You know, 10 years ago, my, my dear mother, she died of a sudden heart attack. It turned my world upside down. And I grieved appropriately, and God helped me. But about six months into the pr uh, process, my wife Karen and I, we, we took a trip to Hawaii just to kind of get a breath and heal and recover. And so we're in Hawaii, we're in our hotel room, and friends, it, for me, it's, it was like it happened yesterday. In the hotel room, I kissed my wife goodnight, and it seems like no sooner did I close my eyes than my mom walked into the room. And man, I just sat up. I was in shock. And friends, it was so real, so vivid. She was so alive that it's more real than you sitting here right here today. In fact, the words out of my mouth, I said, Mom, what are you doing here? Did you fake your death? And as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I sat up and I woke up from this dream. But can I tell you in this dream, 
My mom was wearing this beautiful Hawaiian dress and lay around her neck. She was just glowing and filled with light. She was more alive. She was fully healed, fully whole, more alive than she's ever been. And in that moment, God gave me a great gift. And I think one of the reasons he gave me that gift is because he, he knew that I knew what to do with it, to share it, to say that in the end, there's a perfect place called heaven, and that's the ultimate gift of Christmas. You know, in the Bible, it describes heaven this way. We kind of started with Genesis. We're going to end in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Look, God's home is now among his people, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. Let's pray. Let's pray. I want to pray for you as your pastor. I love you. I care about you. If you would say, hey, pastor, right now, I just have to be honest. It feels my, like my life is upside down. Would you pray for me? That's where you're at. Would you lift your hand right now? And an act of faith to say, man, I need prayer. I need God's help. I need God to punch through and intervene in my upside side down life right now. Would you slip up your hand? I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I see all these hands. And I pray, God, that you would be their wonderful counselor. I pray that you would be their mighty God and give them power to hang on to hope. And that you would be their prince of peace. Lord, they're going to struggle, they're going to fight, but help them know that you came just for them, that you love them, and they are not alone, and you are going to help them. And for those of us who didn't raise our hands, God, would you help us to shine our light and to sacrifice so that people you love can be rescued and saved. In Jesus' name we pray.